lovely to see everyone. Um, I've been reflecting um, and working quite a bit personally on issues of power lately. And I don't think this talk is going to be mostly about that. Um, however, just sharing that um, I'm working on um, embodying my personal power and my role power more fully. And I'm coming to see that when I fail to um, show up 100%, including 100% for the role, um, in this case of leading this group, however small the group might be on any given night, um, that that's actually a misuse of power. Um, and it surprised me to hear about misuse of power as first on the misuse on the underuse side, because I've been so burned by misuse on the overuse side. Um, and it showed me in that surprise um, how much baggage I have around power and that there's even an idea in there somewhere that it's intrinsically bad. Um, and I don't think that's true. So I'm learning about um, right use of power and it, it's quite a um, study, it's quite a journey. Um, when, when I'm working on something, I often know that because there are uh, uncomfortable sensations in my body. That's not always um, what it feels like when um, we're really facing whatever's next, but sometimes for me, and in this case, yeah. So I'm, um, you know, working with a set of ideas and sometimes I just really have to be present in the body with the assumptions and the discomfort that this or that set of ideas brings up so that I can work through that discomfort to, to greater clarity. And that's, that's part of practice. That's part of practice. We have a resonance, we have an affinity with something. In fact, um, I'm convinced that that's what brings people through the door initially. You know, there's some curiosity, affinity, attraction. They see, they see, oh, there's this sitting group. You know, somehow the thought occurs, let's check it out. And then, you know, if they choose to come back, that attraction, it means that attraction has been affirmed over time. I think the same is true with um, 
certain ideas. So, um, with these ideas I've been speaking about around power, I might have a sense or some um, recognition that something that's being said or presented is true, and yet there's some resistance to it that I can feel. And so I have to go through whatever that process is of checking that out, just like people would check out a group <laughs> to see if it's safe, to see if it's something they want to do, to see if it's helpful. You know, oh, is this idea, is it true? Is it really true? Oh, okay, what's this, what's this in the way of that? some sign that it's not true or is it some um, other piece of um, conditioning to face one of the things I struggle with being in uh, the teacher's seat is that through my training history which is extensive, which includes about 14 years full-time in a monastery and lots of retreats and um, demands to meet and such. Um, through my training history, I've often felt that um, teachers were in my way. Um, I think so much of what we do presents itself on the cushion. And so much of this practice is um, comes down to time on the cushion. Like, let's get together and spend more time on the cushion. And sometimes the way forward is just clear. And it's clear for a long time. Like, even for me now with this tricky power stuff, um, you know, for me, tricky power stuff, you know, I might consult with somebody, um, but the the minutia of it, the what needs to happen, is is pretty clear. Um, and if I've got somebody in my life um, trying to give me some other, you know, spiritual task, because they're they feel that need, that's what I'm talking about. It can be um, can be extra. And one of the experiences that I've had that falls in that category of, okay, stuff I don't want to do from the teacher's seat. Um, namely, be eager to give other people tasks and things to work on. So that and some other thoughts led me to the thought of, well, what, what, am I requiring from the teacher's seat? And I did come up with an answer to that. Um, and I ended up this past weekend posting a statement of inclusivity on our website. And what I realized is something um, I think 
every sangha comes to. Sometimes it takes getting a little bigger. Um, but it is that there's an agreement that we're making together to be one body, to be one thing. And the space that we are here is welcoming, it's um, affirming, it's supportive. So what I posted in this statement of inclusivity is that whoever walks through that door The only requisite to walk through that door is that they're interested in following the way. What does that even mean? They're interested. They have some attraction to what we might be doing here. That's about it. And I would say also to walk through that door, especially you know, second and subsequent times, there's an agreement to also be part of the community that is that um, welcoming refuge, that is that safe space. So I've got the usual, you know, regardless of race or ethnic origin or sexuality or other category, um, political, you know, I've got all that. Um, And then the next part is if someone walks through the door and some problem arises in me, I've still got to keep that agreement that I'm part of this welcoming community. So at the very least, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Um, and then in this statement, which is a standard statement, and Zen communities around the world. Um, there's also a clause, an agreement to work towards acceptance. So I think in general, um, these things kind of go without saying, like we're nice people. Um, but I think it's also worth being explicit about, so I might find a way to mention it again, um, that we have an agreement to be respectful towards each other um, and to do the internal work when we find some sort of disparaging thought going on towards us on the
me see. Um, let's switch back over again to this um, progression of intentions. So we or whoever walks in the door, curious about practice, tries practice, comes back, there's a um, affinity that's affirmed. Also, what is affirmed over time um, is generally some sort of, well, this, I really like this, like this works, this relieves my suffering. Um, and that's one of the insights that tend to emerge and keep us practicing. Another insight that might emerge in, cons in harmony with the concept I was speaking of earlier of just this wide acceptance is that um, big mind or big love or the unconditioned mind really does love without bias. So can we emulate that? Another one of many insights that can emerge is we um, begin to see, continue to see over time How much of our thought is um, is ego or is um, selfing, is just ego, but is um, unhelpful, creating or protecting or defending or justifying something that's um, ultimately not, not true or not in harmony with big truth that we want to be resting in and coming from. Or we see that some of our strategies to um, relieve our suffering, relieve our dissatisfaction, are relieve that dissatisfaction only very, very temporarily. And then, at some point, authentically, we might come to a place, a real place of taking refuge. So the, the statement that... I really resonate with um, one of them, says, I take refuge in that which is 
not based on ego gratification, but which is based in the open, unbiased nature of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. So in our Buddhist um, precepts, and I'm learning to define ethics as values, attitudes, and skills intended to have benevolent effects. So in our Buddhist ethics, our values, attitudes, and skills intended to have benevolent effects. We start with taking refuge. And I think that even that taking refuge, that really that entrance gate, can take a while to get to authentically. And we can work with that very entrance gate in um, a way similar to what I've mentioned before. Namely, if there's a resonance with this statement of taking refuge, or a simpler statement of taking refuge. Um, I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Or, right, if there's a resonance with that, I can work with that. I can um, try it on. If there's not a resonance with that, um, well, let me not even go there right yet. So I can work with that, I can try it on. So in my case, there's a resonance with this statement of taking refuge, but there's also some discomfort in the body. Um, I'm guessing probably because I still use my strategies. And I'm saying in the statement, well, I'm taking refuge in the open, unbiased nature. I'm not taking refuge in chocolate and Facebook. So again, I can try this on, or I can try on another kind of statement that I might resonate with. I can either put it on and take it right back off again. I can really work with it in the body, sit with it. So we can, we can take this statement as I go through this um, or we can take another kind of statement that might resonate with us. I vow to, I intend to be kind whenever I can. It can be very simple. So I can work with it in my body. If I feel a deepening commitment or like I want to keep working with it, I can find creative ways to remind myself. Because I've, if I've got an intention that I resonate with or I might resonate with 
and yet there's some resistance to it. Like, that's work worth doing. That's really work worth doing because that opens things up and it opens things up in the direction that the heart wants to go. God, I hope that makes sense. So just to outline some further steps there, if I'm choosing to work with something, um, I can feel it in the body. I can remind myself of the work I'm doing. Sometimes there's so much aversion I can forget. So I can put it on my refrigerator or my mirror, or I can tell a friend, hey, I'm doing this thing. Can you help me with it? I can make requests like that. Or I can just share that I'm working on something. You know, even having shared, oh, I'm doing this work around power. Well, somebody might ask me about it. And it'd be kind of embarrassing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm not interested in that anymore. <laughs> right? Like, for me, that'd be a mirror of, oh, yeah, didn't want to do the work, you know, forgot about it. Um, and then if I'm working with whatever statement or statements, I might decide at some point in my work that I want to strengthen the language of the statement itself. So earlier I said I vow, that's a very strong word. It's a word that says, I will. I will be doing it this way from this day forward. And a lighter word would be, I intend to, or I aspire to. So if we're strengthening intention, we can, we can strengthen language. Again, um, you know, we have to, this works personal, we do it at our own pace. The point is to kind of um, keep on the edge of it, keep on the edge of it. And then finally, I've, I've mentioned it in, in passing, but I'll mention it again, is, is asking for help. So one way one of my teachers modeled is, you know, I have my intention. I can ask for help from the universe in general. Even saying out loud, I vow to be respectful of everyone who walks through that door. And I ask for help from whatever forces might be hearing me in tune with me right now. I don't even know if I believe there's something like that. But the openness to the potential for help is the openness to the potential for help. And then when the challenging person walks through the door that isn't even who I thought it would be, I can go, oh, well, that's what I asked for. Because that's how I do the work, really is to have an edge. 
We only get to awaken because of suffering. We only get to do work because we're not perfectly clean and free of our conditioning yet. That is deeply satisfying work. I don't, I don't sense that there's meaning beyond the meaning that is felt within the activity of that work. It's this deep health and um, rightness of direction. I want to say rightness. Yeah, not in the sense of right versus wrong. Deep health. Mm. Uh, the rest of our ethical guidelines are unfoldings of this uh, this taking refuge. So there's the the three pure precepts um, where we state our intention not to cause harm but to actually do good for others. It's very simple, those three. And then the 10 grade precepts, they're really, they're just an unfolding of that. Just more, more specifics, more specifics to guide us and to check in with, just like we would check in with any other intentions we've set. I'm not going to run through those right now. So my firm intention is that we are, as a group, at the very least, a refuge from the psychological and social pressure that can come from not being in the right category. So that's the part I insist upon. And if you want to ask me for help with anything else, I'm here. And I'm here and, you know, that's a small part of the practice. And the rest of it's just sitting on these little cushions. So that's why I do this group, so we can sit on these little cushions and chairs. So thanks for being here. Frank, thanks especially. I feel like um, uh, somehow you inspire me to actually give talks. Yes. Well, I'm happy to be of some use. Because <laughs> I got this idea right or wrong somehow that, that you appreciate it when there are talks. So. I do. Um, okay, great. Well, that is inspiring.
chant the Heart Sutra, which is on the chant cards under the seats.